Next up, we have Mark Matchen, and uh, Mark uh, helped birth the, the vision of uh, uh, a church planting school, which was uh, two, two, three years ago. We started talking about it and the need for it and talking about how we would like to get this something like this going. And Life of Faith Church in Birmingham, Alabama is what hosted it, uh, who hosted it. And uh, we had a great time there. Uh, um, and um, you know, there's few people, never mind ministers, but I think few people who you can um, live with and uh, be friends, uh, stay with for a long period of time and still be friends with. <laughs> and that uh, my family and I, Marna, myself and the two boys have stayed with them for, I think, a month and maybe even longer at a time, two months or so. And and uh, him and his wife, Jennifer, really just been super hospitable. Uh, you know, from the moment we met and we connected through someone in his church, uh, we really just hit it off and uh, realized we're largely on the same page and have the same view and just the same passion. And it's been awesome just to journey with them over the last couple of years and, uh, uh, you know, spend time at Faith, Life of Faith Church uh, in Birmingham, Alabama, and then interact through Army uh, the church planting school, the grace conferences that they've had. And it's just been such a blessing to uh, uh, walk with uh, Mark and Jen and uh, receive from their friendship and their ministry. And I just really commend them to you in that um, uh, Mark's really, he's got a, a wealth of uh, experience and, and wisdom. And uh, I've seen that outplayed in Life of Faith Church where uh, there's a great fruitfulness and there's been increase as he's taken over uh, 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 the church from his father a, a number of years back, I think it's now 10 or 11 years ago, um, He uh, uh, and, and transitioning the grace into establishing, uh, the, the church establishing it in grace and uh, seeing how the adjustments needed to take place and leaderships and things like this. He's really just got a, a wealth of experience which brought wisdom to how to deal with things like that and what makes a healthy church uh, etc. So we just uh, welcome you, Mark. It's good to have you with us. Uh, and um, if you have questions while he's uh, sharing, please feel free to uh, type them in the Q&A and uh, we'll be sure to get them afterwards. Thank you, Shane. I'll tell you, um, I could say the same things about Shane in terms of our relationship. Uh, there, <clears throat> there's nothing more special than when God really connects you with, with other people with like vision, like passion, uh, that you can just, you know, confide in, ask for input and, and, and Shane and, and Greg Moore, both are that to me, uh, in my life. And, and so as a matter of fact, I, I had to call uh, Greg earlier this week, uh, just needing to bounce some things off of him with regard to what, what God was saying to me and with the situation what we were dealing with and so that is invaluable and and so we just appreciate the relationship you know um greg shared so many great things and and i just wish that i had all of that when i started pastoring 10 years ago but let me just give you kind of very quickly kind of five minutes of of, of my history and then just launch into some things that the lord's put on my heart uh to share that I'd be, be a blessing to you guys. Um, I've been in ministry or associated with ministry practically my whole life. My father was a pastor in the church that I'm pastoring now. He started in 1980. We saw rapid growth. So I was part of, you know, I watched that, that church plant 
you know, from the, from the very beginning, we saw rapid growth in the 80s to about 1,000 people. And then, um, uh, then it seems like the wheels fell off. And over a 20-year period, we watched everything decline to about 50 people. And the church was very close to closing. Financially, it was struggling. Uh, the location of our church is literally right across um, the interstate from what is now, I think, either the first or the second largest church in America. And, and so, uh, so the conditions weren't right for church growth. You know, we were, we were declining. It was an older con congregation. And, and quite frankly, my wife and I were looking forward to the moment that it was going to close and so that we could go somewhere else. It had been a really tough, rough 20 years, and I wasn't looking to pastor. In 2010, uh, the Lord began talking to me about pastoring the church that we're at and uh, that my father founded, and I politely declined, but God was persistent. I've never lost an argument with him yet. And, and, and so uh, what I knew is, is that he... Um, uh, this was his, this was his plan for my life. This was his call. I was 42 years of age. And, and so this is where I kind of want to launch into a couple of things as I kind of go through my story, because there are things that the, the, that the Lord shared with me along our journey that has brought us to where we are today. So where we are today, right now, after 10 years of pastoring, we stepped in honestly, not knowing anything, you know, I didn't have these amazing principles that, um, uh, you know, that, that Shane and that Greg and that others are, are sharing with you, I, I just had to kind of figure it out. And, and Lord, what do you want me to do since I didn't have a vision? I had no vision. So I think it's a good idea to have a vision. Absolutely. And uh, if I'd had that to begin with, that would have helped. But one of the keys that I have learned over the last 10 years, and again, where are we right now? Um, we've, as Shane said, we've, we've planted other churches, we, our, our church has grown um, from that, that less than 50 that was declining to a vibrant, uh, uh, over 200 member church. I mean, 200 being our average Sunday morning attendance that may not be large in some people's scopes, but when you, dealt, when you deal with what we had dealt with for years, it is amazing, but here it is, but here's the thing, it's a healthy, healthy 200. And, and we don't focus on numbers, but I'm just trying to give you some perspective for just a moment, because out of that 200, we now have 50 leaders. When I started pastoring, I had zero leaders, including me. I wasn't much of a leader either. <laughs> so, and, 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 and so it's just a testimony to the power of God and, and to what he can do um, to people who are surrendered to his plan, his purpose for his life, uh, for, for their lives. And I also wanted to kind of throw this out as a huge suggestion. If you haven't read Andrew Womack's book on more grace, more favor, and about the power of humility, God gives more grace to the humble. And, and, you know, at 42 years of age, quite frankly, I was prideful. I thought that I knew everything. And then, um, you know, God called me to pastor and I, rec I recognized that I didn't know anything and I didn't know anything, uh, you know, even doctrinally, I thought I knew everything and I didn't. Okay. And so uh, as I began to get a revelation of grace, as my wife began to get a revelation of grace, what happened is our relationship with God grew 
and increased and became so vibrant and so exciting that we that the journey be, that the church began to journey with us. And that's one of the that's one of the things that the Lord really put on my heart to share with you guys is that it really is your your first priority is your personal relationship with God. Period. If you're not growing, your church isn't growing. I'll say that again. If you're not growing, your church isn't growing. That's just all there is to it. And so, uh, so for us, we recognize because it became fun in growing with the things of God. You know, there you can be anointed, you can be called. David was anointed when he was, you know, a, a teenager to be king, but yet it was still another 13 years or so before he actually became king. So just because he was called and just because he was anointed doesn't mean that he was ready to step in fully to what he was called to do. What, what had to happen? And I love what Greg had to say about the training phase. There had to be some training that took place for him to develop the skill set needed to facilitate what he was anointed to do. So, you know, the, the, the thing that, that, that I've discovered over the last 10 years is the church has grown as I personally have, have grown. Your personal development is key. Your personal development is key. So how do you do that? Well, one, you, uh, obviously it's your time with the Lord. You've got to, you got to fight as a pastor, as a minister, as you're getting vision. You have to fight for your time of prayer, your time for ministry of the word. You, the disciples could have gotten overwhelmed with the work of the ministry. As all of a sudden they started having people complaining, widows complaining, they're not, you know, they're being overlooked, that kind of thing. They could have gotten overwhelmed with that. But see, they, they, they learned something from the person that was their model. They learned something from their mentor, Jesus himself. And they saw how Jesus could have been overwhelmed with the crowds. He could have been overwhelmed with the need. He could have been, you know, even the time when, uh, uh, when the disciples, they had been sent out, they came back, they were excited. This is a very busy 24 hour. I just want to break this down for just a moment because I just really feel in my heart, it's about this personal development piece. And then I'm going to share three things that the Lord has shared with me over the last 10 years that has transformed our church. Okay. But on the personal development side, there was a very busy 24 hour period in Jesus's life and in his ministry. It, the disciples returned from being sent out for the first time for ministry. Also, at the moment that they came back and they were excited about the healings that they saw, they were excited about the, the demons being cast out. They wanted to tell Jesus all about it. Jesus also got news on that same day that John the Baptist had been killed. So now he's dealing with the emotion of that. He is dealing with uh, the busyness of still mentoring and pouring into his disciples as they've returned. And then in the, in the middle of that, so they go out, he said, let's just go, go get alone because there was so much busyness happening around the place. He's like, we got to get alone. So they get out there. He begins to share with them. And all of a sudden the multitudes show up. And so even in that place, Jesus was still able to minister. Jesus was still able to, you know, feed the 5,000 to walk on water, all of those things that happened, that all happened, that, that's a busy day. I think I've had some real busy days. I don't think I've ever had anything quite like that. How, how did Jesus have the capacity 
to handle all of that was because he committed himself sometimes to praying all night, to getting up before everybody else did, to spend time with the father. His relationship with his father was the key. In John chapter five, he talks about nothing that he does, he does apart from the father. It's the father that does the works. He's only doing what he, he's constantly talking about the revelation. Again, you, you should read it in John five. He said, look, uh, the works that I do, it's the father that's dwelling in me. But then he says this, and he will show me greater works, greater works than these, which means that Jesus was operating at that moment from the revelation and what God had shown him up to that point, but knowing that there was more that God, that his father was going to show him. So he didn't start from a place of knowing at all, because even uh, Luke 2 says that he increased in wisdom. He grew in wisdom. So for him to be able to do the greater works, he had to receive a greater revelation from the father with regard to those things. So your personal growth, that's the most important thing. And, and you have to fight for that time. So even the disciples, what did they do? They, they, when, they, when everything got busy and these widows were complaining, they said, listen, they started talking about team, didn't they? Let's find people who can do this work, but that you know have a great reputation. In other words, it's not just people that volunteered. And this goes back to some of the things that Greg was saying. It's the people that you've imparted your life to. It's the people that you have discipled. It's the people in discipleship is not the ones that show up for church every Sunday. It's not the ones that show up for all the meetings. It's not just that level of faithfulness. It's actually the relationships that you, that you spend, the amount of time that you spend. Those are the ones that are going to become your leaders. We had a situation last year that, again, I needed to get uh, Greg's insight on and some help. And, and so, um, and, and it was with a leader in our, with some leaders in our church that it created some problems. And, and so, uh, as I, as I reached out uh, to Greg for some counsel, um, he just, he gave me this word that this helped me. He said, uh, he said, Mark, he said, those people are not part of your DNA. Wow. That was like a huge light bulb moment for me. They're not part of my DNA. Now, what do you do with people that aren't part of your DNA? You can either, you know, remove them from ministry, you know, and depending on what their, um, depending on what their attitudes are, depending on whether or not they're willing to grow. Sometimes people aren't part of your DNA simply because they, they may have sincere hearts, but they may have come from a different background. They may have come from different training. And, and so they just, they're just operating in what they know, not in the wrong heart. And that's what I was dealing with. And I recognized that. And so it wasn't because they were obstinate, rebellious, and that kind of thing. It was simply because they didn't know better. And so what I recognized, okay, if they're not part of my DNA, then how do I help them become part of our DNA at our church? And so my wife and I, we spent 12 straight, actually probably 14 weeks on Sunday night, which, you know, Sunday nights is kind of, for me, it's that time of rest after we've had a long Sunday. But I said, you know, I have to give my life to them, help them become a part of who we are and understand our heart. You need people that have your heart. And so we invested that 14 weeks with their family 
their extended family, to really to teach them the foundational truths that changed our lives. And can I tell you, they have completely transformed. They are great leaders in our church now. It's one of the greatest miracles that we've seen. That would, it would have been easy to have gotten upset. It would have been easy to get mad at them. It would have been easy to let them go. God, bring me something else. But you know, we are called, check it out. We are called not to just teach people, not to just preach to people. We're called to equip people. That's our primary function and our primary calling. And so how do we equip them? By living life with them. Recently, the Lord just um, has begun to, to talk to me uh, at the level and where we're at and the next season that we're going into uh, to really think about structure. Shane has spoke a word into, into my life in, in June. It wasn't anything. It wasn't one that I wanted to hear, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know what? True personal development and true growth is allowing others to speak into your life and allowing yourself to be questioned because you don't know it all. You can run with the vision that God has for you, but the fact of the matter is, is you need to surround yourself with people that can speak into you and help, help bring balance to the timing, bring balance to the way you're doing things. And that's the thing that I've treasured the most. And, and so Shane was praying, I'd taken a month off and he said, you know, one of the words that he gave me, um, and, and he just sent me a voice note. He said, I, he I hesitate to tell you this, Mark. He said, but, but I feel like the Lord is saying, you're not building a tower. You're not building a platform that in this next season, what you're doing is you're digging a well. Now, you know, we're fruitful. We are multiplying. We've got like, we're in that stage of multiplication that Greg was talking about. But yet, even at this place, this word digging a well, and it actually, it actually um, witnessed with something that the Lord had been speaking to me. So I want to read real quickly from Mark chapter three, verse 13. And this is when, this is when Jesus chose the 12. And, and so again, we're called to equip people. How do we do that? He went up, he went up on the mountain. This is verse 13, Mark chapter three. And he called to him those that he himself wanted and they came to him. And so then he appointed 12. So out of this group of disciples, he picked 12 that they might. And, and, and here's the reason why for three reasons that they might be with him that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. That's it. The 12 that he chose, he wasn't choosing the 12 based on, well, I think he's anointed for worship. I think he's anointed for children's ministry. I think he's anointed to do my marketing. I think he's anointed. He wasn't looking for people to fill roles. He was looking to fill people. And to duplicate himself in those that he called to him. That's what we're called to do. That's what making a disciple is all about. That's what, that's what calling leaders is all about. He, he wanted them, but see, notice what they needed to do for this to happen, for him to duplicate himself. And somebody like Simon, Simon who became Peter, right? I mean, this guy was a mess. 
This guy wasn't the one that we would pick, you know, for leadership. I mean, he messed up all the time. He might have been the person that we would have kicked out or the person that we would have stopped working with. Yet what we have to do as leaders and as shepherds is we have to be able to see past their current immaturity, past what they don't know, past their mistakes, and see the call of God. And we are called to walk through this with them, you know, in life, not just in teaching. And here's the other thing. We're called to do it by being an example. We're not called to just, the, the way we, we, we don't train leaders by just saying, this is what you're supposed to do and expect them to do it. We, we call, we're called to demonstrate this to them. And I'll tell you in a moment how God powerfully did that in our lives and in our church. But look at this. So three things again. He wanted the 12 to be with him. So again, that's relationship. That's living with people. That's, uh, that, that's living life with people. That's journeying with them in life. And, and so as you, as you plan a church, as you, as you begin to do a small group, as you begin to build relationships with people, you need to identify the ones that God is calling you to invest your life into to help duplicate what he's put in you in them. That's it. And then, and then to send them to preach. Why? Because Jesus's ministry was to send them, was to preach. He went about preaching the kingdom of God. That's what he was called to do. So he is duplicating himself in them. And then obviously to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Now, that means along the way, they had to do the work of the ministry. There were things to be done. They had to do some of the marketing. They went two by two before him to prepare the way. They had to help feed the 5,000. They held to, had to help do some of the logistical stuff. But the goal wasn't to find somebody to help do the ministry for him. The goal was to disciple them. Our primary call, Greg said it best, is to make disciples. Okay. And so, and then, and then to heal sickness and cast out demons, you know, so our personal growth, our personal development, your church, your ministry will grow as you grow in the things of God. And so what the disciples do, they, they learned that from Jesus. They did that as they began to, to uh, take over the ministry and to build churches. And so that's why they said, Find these men, have them now do this work, but they had to be filled with the Holy Ghost. They had to be faithful. They had to, you know, there, there were all these requirements that there were people that had been discipled. That's where Philip came from. That's where Stephen came from. It's amazing. But then Peter and, and, and the rest of the apostles said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. They knew what their primary calling was. They, but they had, but it's not just they were doing it because they knew what it was. They had seen it modeled. What are we modeling for the people that we're called to? And, and so you've got to fight for that time and grow in the things of God. Um, very quickly, let me just share these three things that, that the Lord spoke. These are the big, I mean, obviously God's been speaking for the last 10 years, you know, as we've continued to grow and we have such a healthy church. But not only do we have a healthy church, we also have, uh, we have a church that is hungry uh, for the things of God, continuing to grow. And, and what happens is, is that uh, the people that you lead take on the characteristics and the attitude of you, the leader. And, and so if you look at problems or if you look at uh, difficulties and complain and whine and 
you know, and, and just get tired of it. And you have a negative outlook on difficult things. You know, where am I going to find a place to, you know, for us to meet? Uh, uh, you know, people aren't showing up to volunteer that promised that they would. And you find yourself in that complaining mode uh, and, and or, 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 you know, perhaps, you know, to really move into an area, whatever God's called you to, you don't have the knowledge for it. And so it means that you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to get educated. Uh, uh, and, and so uh, a lot of times <clears throat> people's default is not to press through hard things. That's what's going to happen with the people that, that are following you, that you are leading. You're not going to automatically have people. We didn't automatically have people uh, that were ready to, uh, to take on challenges. One of the reasons was is because they didn't have a leader, me, who was, who was ready to take on challenges. And so it took a number of years for me to, number one, stop complaining about the difficulty. Remember, I, I was in an environment where we had 20 years of difficulty. And so we took the path of least resistance. Nothing that we tried worked in that 20 years. Okay. And so, and so it had set into me a habit of not embracing difficulty. And so I had to change my mindset. I had to change my outlook. I had to see in, you know, in, in the Bible where every great story, every great man of God, every great woman of God, you know, they, they took up the challenge. David ran toward the giant. You know, and, 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 you know, so his outlook and his mindset wasn't, wow, look at this. It's going to be too difficult. No, he, he embraced the opportunity. He looked forward to the opportunity to do that. And so I had to start changing my own outlook, my own mindset, that any difficulty that came, anything that would appear to be a problem, anything that would be, you know, that would be tough to go through, man, to start looking at that, this is going to be awesome the outlook, what's going to happen on the other side. Guys, let's, let's run at this. This is going to be a great opportunity. Man, as I've started doing that, then what happened is I had to help our other leaders and the other people that were under us to start thinking the same way. No, we, we don't say no. We don't say it's too hard. We don't say I can't. There's certain phrases. We, you know, all things are possible. But guess what? That's intentionality. That's intentionality into speaking into leaders, speaking into people, but it has to come from your heart. It has to come from our outlook. So here are three things real quick that, that over the years that the Lord um, shared with us that are, that are really pillars for our church that have helped. Number one, when I first started pastoring, I'm like, Lord, what do we do to grow the church? I mean, here we are just 50. You called me to pastor. So obviously now we're going to start thinking about church growth, right? And so the Lord just began ministering to me out of the book of Revelation. I think it's chapter two. There's a phrase there that just kept rolling up in my spirit over and over and over again. Um, and it was just simply this, strengthen those things which remain. I'm like, oh, that's great. God, what do we want to do about church growth? Strengthen those things which remain. Okay, I'm not sure what that means, but Father, what do we want to do? What's the plan? What's the vision about church growth? And I kept hearing it, strengthen those things which remain. And I couldn't even hear the voice of God very well at that time, but it just kept welling up, kept welling up. So finally I said, Father, what are you saying? 
what is that? What are you saying to me? He said, Mark, I've called you to pastor the people that are here, not the ones that aren't here. That was huge for me. He said this, he said, if there is fruit in the lives of the people that, that you are pastoring right now, he said, then I will cause people to come to the church. That changed my whole idea of ministry. I started looking at individuals. I started looking at the fruit in their lives instead of thinking of multitudes or instead of thinking of crowds or instead of thinking about how to fill empty seats. I started thinking in terms of how to fill the people that were in the seats. How do I fill them spiritually? What am I doing? What am I imparting into them that's causing their lives to be changed? And if they're not changing, then, you know, do we just say, ignore it and say, well, I guess that's on them. They, you know, I've preached the word. Or do we actually begin to have dinner with them? Do we actually have deep conversations with them? Do we, do we really get to the heart of what's going on with them to really help move them into a place of change in their lives so that there's fruit? And that's, that's the first thing that I had to learn. And it really changed everything for me. Okay, number two. Yeah, so that was in 2011. Number two in 2014. Um, and this has become uh, probably one of the most important things that we've learned as a church is, is the Lord said this to me. It was just, it was almost audible. He interrupted a business meeting I was in. <laughs> How dare him, right? <laughs> but it, it just started talking to me about the church. And he said this. He said, Mark, he said, most churches will spend so much of their energy trying to create programs to maybe help disciple people. He said, but if somebody hears my voice, I can speak a word to them in a moment that will create more change than a whole year's worth of discipleship programs. So do everything and center everything around your church whatever programs, whatever we, as we build it, to teach people, help people to hear my voice on their own. And so that's what we've done. One of the ways that we've done that is we've done it through real activation and helping people to flow in the gifts of the spirit. Pastor Greg has an awesome book about flowing in the supernatural and even what that can look like in a church environment and real practical steps for implementing that. These are the things we've been doing since 2014. It has changed our church environment. The majority of our church, and, and the fastest growing part of our church, by the way, are, are uh, the 20-year-olds, 20, 20, 20 and 30-year-olds, the millennial generation, the younger, younger group. They're the fastest growing because they're coming to a place. They want to know how to hear the voice of God. They want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. They're not just interested in just a lot of teaching. They, they want to discover God's purpose for their life, but they want to be confident that they can hear him on their own. And we are watching people just step into callings and giftings so quickly as a result of this. But you know what? I had to learn how to do that by example. You know, some of you probably are naturally gifted and talented in these areas. I was not. I was very analytical. And, and so... I didn't know how to flow in words of knowledge or the prophetic or any of that. And so I had to grow 
in my own personal development, in my own capacity to be able to properly lead and to shepherd and to model that for others. And so here's the other thing. When people get to, can hear God's voice on their own, then they don't become dependent or codependent on you as the pastor and you don't become codependent on them. And so that's huge. That is powerful. Um, and, 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 and it just makes pastoring so much easier. Then you're able to really take the time, spend the time with the people that you need to. And then the third thing was in 2017. And, and, and I believe this will minister to some of you, whether you're already pastoring a church, whether you're starting out, is that um, God just uh, dropped my spirit as I was getting off an airplane one day. I heard this phrase, the kingdom of God enters into the earth through the hearts of men. And so what the Lord began to minister to me is that our church, he kind of gave me a vision of our church. And I just saw each individual as a tree, you know, and a fruitful tree. And, 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 and he began to show me that our church is like a kingdom outpost. It's a, it, we're, we're set, Jesus is the head of the church. I'm simply under him and, and, you know, managing and pastoring and shepherding the people that he's brought to us. But here's what he, but because he's the head and because he's the government, right? The government's on his shoulders. He makes sure that we get all the resources, whether it's financial or whether it's personnel that we need. And what I begin to realize is that he's already brought to us every resource that we need for the season that we are in. It's so, off, it's so easy to say, I need a worship leader. I need a children's pastor. I need this. I need that. And what we're asking for is God to send us somebody who already has the skill set. But do you know that actually you may already have that person there that has the anointing or the calling, and it's up to you to help develop and to mine that out of them. So many people that come to us, you know, Peter and James and John and Andrew, they were all fishermen, right? They didn't know that they were called to ministry. They just started following the one that had these miracles and things like that. They didn't know what that was going to look like. And so that's going to, that's what happens with people that come, that, that come to force in them. That is for the rest of the body. That's what Ephesians 4, 16 says. It says that a church grows together as, uh, as, as every joint supplies out of the effective uh, the effectiveness of every part. We tell our church, look, everybody here, you have an anointing, you have a calling, you have a gift. There's a part for you. There's something in you for the rest of our body. There is. And if you're not functioning in something or if you're not contributing in some way to the rest of our church, then you're missing out on what God's called you to do. And so I recognize that I'm kind of like a football coach. You know, here in America, we've got uh, NFL and football and, and the way it works. And, but in college, you know, it's like every year they have new people come in. Well, the coach doesn't look at the new players that come in and say, oh man, I needed somebody that, you know, was already trained and skilled. No, he recognizes that his role is to train them, is to help them become more skillful, help them discover their full potential over the next four years so that he can send them on their way. We are called to do the same thing as pastors, as shepherds, as church planters. We go.
find out, pull out of people what they're gifted and called to do. And sometimes that, you know, it, it, it's not easy. It's not a, uh, you know, it's not a, uh, you know, I'm going to have a four week series and that's going to create amazing change. No, it's about the intentionality of living with people, of discipling people, of making sure you're prioritizing your time to invest into people. Those will become your leaders, but make sure that you're also growing personally and your capacity, both personally, mentally, emotionally, you know, and this will be the last thing that I share. Your emotional development and stability is key. I had to get to the place that my identity only came from the fact that I'm a son of my father. If the church succeeds, if the church fails, I can't draw my identity from my performance. My identity and my security has to come from the fact that the father loves me, period. And that's it. And I'm going to follow him to the best that I can. I'm going to grow to the best that I can, but I can't allow myself to be emotionally, uh, emotionally in turmoil all the time because people aren't, you know, fulfilling what they're supposed to do. They're not doing what, that, what they've been asked to do. They're not showing up at church every now and then, or they're talking bad about me or whatever that can look like. Be, otherwise, that's going to keep you in a state of reacting instead of just responding based on what God says. And so, you know, that's, that's a number of different things. And I think, uh, I think I'm kind of coming to the end of, of my time here, but that's just a, a number of things that I've learned along the way uh, and uh, through the hard knocks and through experience and through relationship with the father. Uh, but boy, ministry is fun. If ministry ever stops being fun, then, you, then, then, then you're either doing it through your own self-effort or, or you, you're, you're not fulfilling it the way that God has called you to. Anytime that things become difficult for us or laborious, Jennifer and I, we stop and we say, okay, let's make sure we're back to the right place because we want to be operating with his grace and not through our own effort. Anyway, I hope those are some things that help. Shane, thank you again for the opportunity and the honor to, uh, to be able to, to, to share at least from some of the things that I've experienced uh, over the years. That's great. Thank you so much, Mark. Um, such a, a, a heart uh, session, I think, in the sense of, like, obviously, it's all stuff that's coming from your heart, not just from a textbook. And I think, uh, you yeah, that, know, that's really what's great about um, this conference so far, is everyone's sharing from their practical um, uh, experience and, uh, you know, what I, I loved what you said there, Mark, is that if you're not growing, your church isn't growing. And I think we can so often get stuck in the, the busyness of work and ministry and life and the dog needs to go to the vet and the kids are, are needing to be dropped off somewhere or whatever. Like there's just so many things going on and um, that, that you, you're neglecting that first love and growing in relationship with God and sitting under, you know, other teaching and, and receiving from somewhere else and, uh, you know, spending time in the word for yourself. And, and then you're kind of wondering why, why is the service stale? Why is, <laughs> why is something not right? Like wh what's going on here? And it's, it's really just the fact that you're not growing so if that's why things aren't happening and praise god for his grace that 
it's not all just on you, but you know, there's a large truth in there. The other thing Can I, I like would just yeah, go for it. I was just gonna add one thought. Mm. Uh, we personally we always have room to grow with with the things of God, like even with the gifts of the spirit, mm. you know. So so words of knowledge, like uh, you know, gifts of healing prophetic words, you know, it's not just, we're just waiting for God to do something through us. We have to be intentional about growing in those areas, which means, and I hate to say this, but it's true. We're always taking risk. Yeah. Leaders always take risk. That's it. You step out, you step out of a boat, you walk on the water, guess what? More, more boats that you have to step out of in life. And the moment you stop stepping out of boats and taking risks is the moment that you stop growing. That's so good. Uh, I think, um, yeah, the, the, the other thing that you said that really just fits in so well with everything. I mean, whether you're, you're looking to plant a church, uh, whether you're looking to, whether you planted a church or whether you're in ministry or wanting to be in ministry, this was one of the things that you said that really, the essence of what you said, you can't do ministry alone. Uh, uh, you know, obviously your spouse uh, uh, but then the, the, um, uh, within the church, there's relationships and stuff, obviously, and you're building a team and those are relationships that you're doing, uh, ministry with. And, and that makes it fun. That, that, that's part of the enjoyment of it is doing it, you know, with your spouse or supported by your spouse. And then obviously with other people in the church, but, but then like you, you mentioned to start off with having people like Greg, uh, uh or each other, that um, you, when, when the going gets tough, you can call them and say, you know, what's going on here? I don't know what to do. Uh, uh, or um, uh, you're just letting some steam off sometimes or whatever. But it's like you, you, can, you can kind of engage with people who um, uh, understand. And you're doing actually ministry together. And I think that, you know, it's like you can't do ministry alone. Otherwise, uh, it, it's very not only lonely, but just difficult. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the area that I've had to grow in the most. Mm. Um, it's actually where I'm at right now. The, you know, with where we are, I've been able, because uh, I'm a high functioning person, I've, I've, I've worked in every area of ministry. And, and so if somebody doesn't show up, guess what? I can do it. Mm. I can, I can do everything. Okay. And I don't say that pridefully. It's just through, through my years of experience. Yeah. The other day I was praying and the Lord said, and I said to the Lord where we are, I said, I don't, I don't know that I can manage this anymore. I, can, I don't know that I'm going to be able to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, and, and the Lord said, good. <laughs> he was like, at last. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so I'm in an uncomfortable growing phase in my own life. Mm-hmm. There's other areas that I now have to let go. And, um, that's yeah, so, so, you know, and so that's what we're, we're intentionally training people, that's good. you know, for that. Two more questions. How did you recognize other people's calling in your church before they knew it themselves? Uh, so first of all, you, um, uh, you can, you can see it with the way that they either relate to people or what they talk about or what their passions are. Okay. Um, uh, and, and, and so, and, and, and the other way is, it's, it's not like you'll get it in just a moment. It's as you build relationship with people, as you get to know them, uh, the Lord will give you as a leader, you'll just start having insight into what makes people tick, you know, 
The other thing is, is don't be afraid of trying stuff. I have, I have, you know, with, I have put some people in some positions, turns out it wasn't the best fit for them, you know? So I, I may have missed it a little bit, but along the way I discovered uh, watching them, what, what frustrates them, but where they have their passions and things like that. So, so if you don't know, then just throw them into things. Yeah. You'll, you'll find out real quick, but you know what spirit of God really will show you if you're, if you love people. Mm. So when you love people, you're not just, you're not just doing ministry. You love people. That's where the gifts of the spirit flow. That's where words of knowledge. That's where all of that flows out of your love for them. That's first Corinthians chapter 14, verse one. So in that environment, you can't miss it. That's good. Then how do you do ministry with your wife or husband in a way that is healthy on your relationship, even when there may be times they do not seem to be on the same page? So I know there's no short answer to that, but uh, how would you answer that? Well, um, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it, it makes this beautiful statement that, you know, first of all, that we as a, as a husband and wife, we are heirs together mm. of the grace of life. Okay, so... So it's not about ministry together. Let me make sure that they get that because sometimes people focus so much on how do we do ministry together? My question is, are you being heirs together first? Sure. See, so that's that personal development. It's so your first ministry is to, you know, as a husband is to your wife. I mean, you, 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 you live life together. Mm. And so if, as, as you, as you talk about what God's doing in your life personally, you know, talking about ministry, that's not going to be growing in grace together. And so if somebody's not on the same page or something like that, they may not want to talk about ministry. They may not want to be involved in ministry. But what you can do is you can back off of that and you can talk about, you know, what, what, what God's showing you personally. You can, you can talk about what it means to be heirs of, of the grace of God together, your inheritance, your growth in the things of God. And I think in that place, that's loving your spouse. What it will do is it will begin to facilitate um, the call of God. And then you do ministry together. Well, that's so good. Thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate uh, your time and the relationship, the friendship that we have with you, Marna and I and you and Jen. And so thank you for uh, just imparting to them uh, the, 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 the conference this evening. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Shane. It's awesome. So that was Mark Matson from uh, Life of Faith Church in Birmingham, Alabama.